the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Second hour of the Bruce Hooley Show on Thursday always starts with Matt Mayer of OpportunityOhio.org. We're glad to have him, and Matt can weigh in on business matters and also on things in the state of Ohio and nationally. He is uh, a former official in the Bush administration. Am I right about that, Matt? You are right about that. Fantastic. Well, let's start with Ohio politics then and follow Matt on Twitter at Ohio Matt. His site is OpportunityOhio.org. Uh, they were working late last night. They want to get home for Christmas. Uh, they're supposed to, uh, they can work until December 31st. Doesn't look like they will. Uh, do you like what they did last night with the distracted driving bill and beefing up voter ID? But there are some things that I wanted them to do that they did not do. I mean, look, it's fine. But, I mean, do we really need to spend Ohio tax dollars to have a lame duck session in which very little gets done or what gets done couldn't wait? for another four weeks to get us into January in the new legislative session. I mean, fundamentally, right, like I'd love for somebody to do a, a investigative report on how much this lame duck session costs taxpayers with the salaries of the of the members, their staff, right, what, you know, keeping the lights on, you name it. Because this gets to the heart of we've got this General Assembly that has super majorities, but they don't do anything ever. They, they nibble on the margins of Ohio problems. I mean, is distracted driving really that big of a problem that, oh, God, we need to address it in a legislative session? But yet there are other things they kick the can on, right? We still aren't addressing, you know, the transgender and the sports issues, right? Yep. We're still not addressing things that are kind of, you know, just as important, one would argue, as distracted driving or more important. And, and we're not doing anything to make sure that our economy gets going, right? We're still net negative on jobs. So what are they doing that is actually going to have an impact on the day-to-day lives of Ohioans? And the answer is not much. That's frustrating, Bruce. Yeah, it's very frustrating, and I'm not surprised. And what my hope would be is that as it concerns the, I always call it the Protect Women's Sports Bill, it's the Jenna Powell Bill basically to um, only allow boys to play boys' sports, be in boys' spaces, girls the same, uh, to me, the House not passing it is uh, exhibit 10,000 of why uh, Bob Cup as House Speaker uh, has not done his job in terms of getting his people aligned to enact the will of the people of the state of Ohio. And I'm hoping for better things with Derek Marin as the House Speaker going forward. I don't think the Jenna Powell bill is dead, but I'm very, very upset that there were Republican House members who joined with Democrats last night installing that bill. You mean the Jenna Powell bill that's been trying to be passed for over a year? Yeah. I mean, this this is the problem, right? Like, other states have already acted. Where in the hell is Mike DeWine? Does he have any leadership on this issue? Is he supported? Does he oppose it? Does he want to get anything done to protect girls in sports and in bathrooms? Or or does he just want to, like— Fiddle and, you know, do little press conferences for Intel and for an, an EV battery in the greater Columbus area. I mean, what the hell does the man do in terms of leadership? I, I want to know, where is the governor? Because other governors lead, and you see it every day. Our governor just sits there and does what all day? What is he doing to make Ohio better? 
Uh, I eat Fran's chocolate chip cookies and chicken noodle soup, and uh, you're right. And where shoots that are too big. I mean, my God, like, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the General Assembly will do something if there's leadership on it, and, and there's just not. So they kick poor Jenna Powell to the, to the corner and say, oh, yeah, you're, you're your little fringe right winger, right? You know, we'll, do, we'll take care of that next session, and it's always the next session, right? Well, my God, can we have something in Ohio where we can stand for something for once and lead the nation instead of always follow the pack? And this is what's so frustrating. Again, we're spending all this time and money on legislative sessions, and they get so little actually done that impacts the day-to-day lives of Ohioans. Matt Mayer, our guest, OpportunityOhio.org is his website. You can follow him on Twitter at OhioMatt, and I would highly encourage you to read his substack, The Patriot Mind. Search that, Matt Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R, The Patriot Mind, and you will find it. It's a great read. And, Matt, let's uh, switch to speaking of kicking the can down the road. Uh, we have uh, Title 42, which is coming up on its expiration here in a week or so. We have uh, the word out in uh, Mexico and lands south of Mexico because, boy, the border is now teeming with more migrants. They're getting 2,000 a day in El Paso. And the Biden administration is uh, warning that there will be an increase in migrant flow. Uh, great. Uh, got any plans to do anything about it? I don't think so. Certainly no plans to go to the border, it doesn't seem. Yeah, he's got other things to do, he said, right? Can't, can't go to the border, right? Despite that, we're seeing record numbers during his administration of illegal immigrants, which also then means record numbers of drugs, record number of human trafficking, and record number of terrorists, because it all comes, it all comes across when it wants to. And I know you see the video I see, which is just streams of illegals coming across the board, right? And the whole Title 42 issue is, is that it's this, you know, public health law that the Trump administration used to be able to essentially put migrants back into Mexico or their home countries without letting them seek asylum first. And so if it, if it expires, right, then that everybody who's on this, you know, south of us is going to know it's expired and that they can't be pushed back down more easily. So they're going to start flooding the border even more. So that that's what's at issue. Yeah, and we had a Border Patrol agent die this week uh, trying to chase uh, Godaways on an ATV, crashed, and nobody's heard of his name, nobody knows his name. Uh, but if he were a white police officer involved in uh, a deadly force incident against anyone with uh, intersectionality boxes that they could check, it would lead every single liberal newscast, which is to say like 95% of new- newscasts in our country. Of course, and a CNN panel would put their hands up and do all the, you know, virtue signaling when it went about about it. But no, it's just another border another border agent that's been killed in the line of duty. So, but that's okay. It, you know, it's one of the good guys. We don't we don't worry about them. So Sam Bankman-Fried, the crypto kid, is uh, in a Bahamian jail, and he's facing 105 years in prison. I'm sure you find his arrest on the night before he was supposed to testify under oath before Congress is uh, coincidental, shall we say, as I do. Uh, what do you think Sam Bankman-Fried will eventually get for his crimes? Will we uh, see him in jail for a long, 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 long time? Or does he know too much about who benefited a lot from his political donations? Well, I suspect he'll, he'll go to jail. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the, the timing of his arrest was bizarre because why, if you're a law, law enforcement agency or prosecutors, would you not want him to actually go in front of Congress and talk and talk a lot, yep. right? And then stuff that you could then use later on against him. Uh, but 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 they silenced him before he would talk. And then you know the reality though is what's going to happen. And I you know you and I have both seen this rolling out is the amount of money that he was 
funneling to Democrats to essentially win elections. And so, uh, you know, I hope the Democratic Party and those candidates that receive those ill-gotten funds will be re, you know, funding money back to the victims of his swindle so that they can get repaid. Because otherwise, you know, they're going to be left to hold an empty bag as the Democrats who received, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars are going to essentially be laughing all the way to the bank. And, and it shouldn't be just Sam that goes to jail then. It should be some Democrats who essentially should give back money to the people that got fleeced. Matt Mayer, our guest, OpportunityOhio.org. Follow him on Twitter, at Ohio Matt. Speaking of going to jail, uh, do you think Jack Dorsey, the former head of Twitter who blatantly lied to Congress about not shadow banning conservatives, anybody at Twitter ever goes to jail? Does Anthony Fauci ever go to jail? Do we get to the bottom of the origins of COVID? Because these are things that now sit, at least in the uh, hands of the House Oversight Committee, which will be controlled by Republicans going into 2023. You have hopes that they'll be able to consequentially give us answers about what really happened in those two instances? So, yes, I think that they will get some answers to lots of things that were ignored over the last six years. But will people like Fauci or or Jack Dorsey face jail time? No. The best I think we can hope for is is that the House uh, Accountability Group, the various committees, essentially haul those folks in and do so much – uh, to them, that they, they, they force them to incur the tens of millions of dollars in legal fees that folks on the right have had to pay and go bankrupt over for the last six years. And, and, and that's the best, about the best uh, we can hope for beyond getting the truth, which is what we all know. The virus came out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Everybody knows that. Uh, the Chinese have hide, you know, hit it. But, but we know it. It, it. There's too many things about the virus that are, are man-made and not, not from the animal population. Um, we know we know that there was suppression now from the Twitter files uh, of of the right. We know that there's not a single case from the Twitter reveal in which the left was suppressed or harmed or left candidates were harmed. It always cut against the right. So look, this this stuff has got to stop. It goes to the core of our First Amendment and, and kind of the whole fundamental part of our democracy. And, and you you know we're not going to unwind elections, but boy, we need to make sure going forward that the scales are even, that, that there isn't all this stuff that's pushing down their hands on the scale so that Democrats are favored as Republicans are harmed and voters are ill-informed. And that's not that's not the way we have a democracy. We've got to make sure that the First Amendment uh, is, is vibrant on both sides of the political spectrum so that, that, that voters get the information that they need to make the decisions on who they want to select and put in office. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm not uh, optimistic that'll happen unless it's forced to happen. It'll be interesting to see if any of the mainstream media are shamed into reporting this. They were eventually on the Hunter Biden laptop, but still, they but now— just barely, just barely. Yeah, just barely. They've not really dug into the content. And, and Because, look, you and I both know, we've know, we both read enough. There is enough direct and circumstantial evidence that Joe Biden absolutely knew what Hunter was doing, and they were selling influence of the vice president's office. We know that until the media decides to actually start reporting that— and Joe Biden has to start answering questions about that, then there is not going to be accountability. Totally agree. Matt Mayer, OpportunityOhio.org. Follow him on Twitter at Ohio Matt. Great to have you with us. Have a great weekend. You too. Sometimes the good guys win. And sometimes it takes a while for the good guys to win. It has taken five years for Gibson's Bakery in Oberlin, Ohio, to be made whole. 
from damage that was done to its business by the adjacent and very woke Oberlin College. Oberlin College did everything that it could to put Gibson's Bakery out of business after an incident in November of 2017 where two black men went into the bakery near campus, stole a bottle of wine, and attempted to leave. The owner of the bakery chased them down and tackled one of the shoplifters. Uh, Two black female students who were with the male who stole the bottle of wine tried to intervene, and three of them were arrested and later pleaded guilty to misdemeanor charges. Now, okay, that could be the end of the story, right? Hey, guy tried to steal a bottle of wine. Owner follows him out the door, tackles him. Two females try to intervene. They get cited for their role in the whole thing. Everybody's happy because everybody knows you can't shoplift from a bakery. Oh, well, Oberlin College was not on board with that. Uh, Here's what Oberlin did. Their vice president and their dean of students organized a campaign by sending emails to all enrolled Oberlin students accusing Gibson's Bakery of being racist. The student senate at Oberlin passed a resolution condemning Gibson's Bakery. And so Gibson's Bakery's business, as you might imagine, being adjacent to campus, but being subjected to this kind of unjust labeling by the college, its business declined. And it declined to the point where it was almost going to have to go out of business. And so it sued Oberlin College and won a judgment in 2019 for $44 million, except Oberlin didn't pay it. And Oberlin appealed it to the Ohio Supreme Court. The Ohio Supreme Court said, you have no case. Dismissed. Now you would think, okay. Then they pay, right? No. They did not pay then. But now comes word that the college began making payments in September. And that as of this week, it has satisfied its full financial obligation. Now it didn't pay the $44 million because a judge reduced that award to $25 million, but there must be attorney's fees and damages and other things. Gibson's Bakery is walking away with $36.5 million of Oberlin's money. $36.5 million. And is the bakery still open? Yeah. Does the story indicate Although that? Although I'd be closing it now and moving to Maui. Right. <laughs> or if there's a Republican version of Maui, I'd move there. Uh, here is what Oberlin College now says about having had its financial fingers slapped. Oberlin's core mission is to provide our students with a distinctive and outstanding undergraduate education. The size of this verdict is significant. Thank you, Captain Obvious. However, our careful financial planning, which includes insurance coverage, means that we can meet our legal obligation without impacting our academic and student experience. It is our belief that the way forward is to continue to support and strengthen the quality of education for our students now and into the future. You know what that statement is missing? An apology. You know what that statement is also missing? A recognition that in the future, Oberlin will do things differently. That we will not prize intersectionality and racism over common sense and truth. You can't shoplift. That's been against the law since the beginning of time. But 
in the wake of George Floyd, it's been like, what? Well, yeah, you can't can't chase a guy outside of a store if he's stealing your stuff. You just let him steal it. And that has that attitude has progressed to the point where we now have state of California. You can shoplift up to a thousand dollars, and you're not supposed to be stopped by store security. They just watch and why I guess wave while you go out. However, if you if you aren't already going in this direction, many of the large retailers are leaving California yeah. because of that. So, okay, law. I can't I can't arrest can't you for business. stealing my stuff. Okay, right. we'll just close the store. Now, who do you think that policy ends up hurting? Again, I said earlier in the show that Elizabeth Warren wants to like heavily regulate crypto because crypto because cryptocurrency is used in some criminal activity. So if we get rid of crypto, presto changeo, we'll get rid of all criminal activity. Well, that is the typical mile wide and an inch deep depth to democratic solutions. And the idea in California is that, well, you know, these people are, they're disadvantaged and um, they're owed damages because uh, racism and they can't, they, they're homeless. They don't have jobs. So we, we should just let them go in and steal stuff. Are they stealing the stuff from the state of California? No, they're stealing the stuff from CVS and Walgreens and Target Walmart. Yep. And miraculously, then those stores close in those neighborhoods because it's hard to be profitable when people can just walk out with $1,000 worth of stuff every single time they go in. And who does that wonderful, sensitive, diverse, equitable, and inclusive solution, who does it end up disadvantaging? Oh, what would that be the people who live in that neighborhood who now don't have any place to shop for their yep. prescriptions and their groceries and their other assorted needs i mean sad just the, uh, the next thing the, blows my mind yeah. how sad it is the next ridiculous well, it's, yeah, it's, it is sad but it's also just criminally stupid i mean it, what do you expect like people are not owed things you are not allowed to steal and walk out and not be punished for it or if you want that you'll have what we have in our inner cities you'll have anarchy you will have anarchy, which brings me to a second 21-year-old innocent person who has been murdered in the city of Columbus for the crime of filling his car with gas. You know about the October 30th murder of Kevin Sobnoski, the high school valedictorian and Youngstown State honor student on a full academic scholarship who was here for a Halloween party. And then with his buddies, made the mistake of going to fill up his car with gas because he didn't want to run out of gas on the way back to Girard, Ohio. Well, we now have a second 21-year-old, and it looks like, guess what? He and Kevin Sobnoski could be brothers in the we've done everything right up to the point where we chose to fill our car with gas in Andrew Ginther's Columbus. We'll have details on that next on The Bruce Willis Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.